I'm Lucid Faith, and you're listening to the Backlog Gamers Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Backlog Gamers Podcast. I am your host, Halo Titan. We have an exciting episode for you this week, a very special guest that I'm going to introduce here in a few moments, trying something new this week, trying something new this week. So the podcast is still going to be live streamed as it is every week. Uh, Depending on my guests, though, I decided I'm going to start sprinkling news articles back into into the podcast. I miss talking about current events in the gaming industry. And you know what? E3, or I'm not sure if E3 is still alive or what this year or not. But uh, we're we're hitting that time of year where we usually get new, you know, new stories, new announcements for games coming out, uh, what to expect, gameplay trailers, this and that. And uh, I kind of wanted to talk about some of those uh, before I bring my guest on. And then if uh, if my guest happens to be interested in any of these uh, up and coming news titles or current events, we're going to start sprinkling that in as well. And uh, I unfortunately didn't you know I did. I made a I made a quick decision today before I uh, before we go live on Twitch um, to to talk to our uh, guest this week. Uh, we uh, I decided I decided I wanted to hop back into this. So we're not going to be discussing news articles per se today um not necessarily news articles current events i always say news articles because that's where i get all my news in current events in the gaming world is the news we're not going to be covering that today i mean there's been a lot of stuff uh coming out um even though i haven't really been searching for current events lately you know we've been hearing stuff about uh, overwatch 2 i believe there was a multiplayer gameplay um thing that was shown off uh for overwatch 2 that i haven't seen yet but i kind of want to get into that because i do love overwatch i know playstation just did a uh, state of play and i believe they had horizon dawn on there still no news about uh any any release date or anything like that and then of course uh you know we were hearing a lot about far cry 6 and then um gosh what's the other one dying light 2 got a new release date uh xbox and bethesda have a game showcase coming june 13th i believe it is so i'm going to start uh, paying more attention to uh the news articles and we're going to start kind of sprinkling that stuff back in to our conversations uh i do want when i have a guest on i do kind of want it to be more of just being able to chat with somebody and our guest this week is going to be lucid faith i'm very excited to have a conversation with him today i hope you guys enjoy today's show and uh and uh, I don't have anything else to talk about before we hop into it. So uh, thank you guys for listening and enjoy uh, this week's episode of the Backlog Gamers Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Lucid Faith. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I know we've been trying to get this, uh, get this, get this thing together uh, for a couple months now. Yeah, yeah. You messaged me four or five months ago. You're like, hey, <laughs> I have this podcast. Like, do you want to be on it? I'm like, yes, of course I do. You're amazing. Oh, I thank you so much for that, Lucid. I appreciate it. You said I'm amazing. You're amazing as well. Uh, we're actually going to be getting into this because this is one of the reasons I absolutely just love your your show, your your stream on Twitch. Uh, by the way, Lucid Faith is a streamer on Twitch. Uh, we're live streaming this now. If we can get a shout out for Lucid Faith, make sure you guys are following him over on his Twitch channel. And uh, I think maybe at the end of the show, we'll get all the plugs put in as well. Um, but make sure you guys, if you're watching live, get over there, throw him a follow. He's a fantastic streamer. But one of the things I really love about your show is, I mean, you ooze just positivity. Um, and, and it's it's awesome. I'm so happy that we met 
because uh, you know you and i when it comes to games we like different types of games um really do and but i always find myself hanging out in your whenever i can get into your show i always wind up staying just mainly to watch you because you're so you're so positive i always feel comfortable when i leave a lucid faith stream where does that where does that come from honestly um it's been a big part of my mental health journey i struggle with depression addiction suicidal tendencies and uh, like that honestly like sucks and so i thought that if i could have my stream space and my content be a reminder for people that like they're valuable and they're worthy and it's good that they're here right one that's good for me because i'm telling myself that the entire time because i need to remind myself but also it's like if i can just help out one person worth it you know so i i love that and and i think uh, mental health is such a huge topic that i think that I, that I don't think people maybe pay too, uh, enough attention to at all. And not just like in the streaming space or the gaming space, but I think in life in general, uh, mental health, I feel, I feel uh, goes overlooked. I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever known it, but I've been diagnosed with depression myself as well. And uh, it has been uh, a big issue in my life over the years. And uh, so I, I think it's important for people to have a space like that on Twitch or to where they can come and they, they can feel valued. And I, I think you really provide so much of that i mean you you really you ooze with it thank you i'm sorry that you also deal with depression um but i i agree that uh, even though it's gotten better over the past decade there is still a significant stigma about mental health especially uh mainstream outside of twitch outside of gaming because i feel like twitch gaming this kind of entertainment sphere People can be a bit more open about it and they're a bit more, like, I guess, progressive, if you want to call it that with it. But I feel like outside of that, especially for men, right, um, there's this idea that you always have to be strong and you always have to, I don't know, be a man. Like, if you're not yeah. doing something, right, you're not, you're like, like, man up, right? And like, that's just not a good way to look at life in my opinion and like for your mental health um so i feel like there's still a bit of a stigma around mental health just meaning weakness yeah. you know what i mean 100 percent. something like that just happened to me uh last week i was talking about needing to get an oil change and you know growing up i you know my dad taught me how to change my own oil and put in the oil filter you know and, and do all that stuff and uh you know, as I became an adult and I started working and I found out, you know, some places will do an oil change for 20 bucks and you're spending when you're doing it by yourself. You're spending almost that much anyway on the oil, on yeah. the oil filter. I'm just like, I could pay an extra five to ten dollars to have somebody else do this for me and I don't have to crawl around on my hands and knees. And I was telling someone that and he said, uh, he's like, you're not a real man if you don't change your own oil. And it borderline triggered me because I'm like, really? I was like, that's crazy. I mean, are you saying only men can do it? Women can't change their own oil? I mean, where does where does the line stop? And I know he was just messing with me, so I don't don't think I made too big of a, a deal over it. But I mean, I was just kind of like, man, I don't like that because I see that in gaming. You know, only real gamers do this and only real people do this and that. And I've always disliked that 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 argument that 
you know, unless you do it this way or unless you're doing something this way, you're not a real man, real gamer, real woman, real whatever, you know? Basically just gatekeeping. Yeah. Right? A sense. Um, like, unless you meet these criteria, you're not allowed to call yourself this. Right. And as people and as a society, we just have to let go of those ideas and those stereotypes that honestly like we grew up with in some cases like i know i did yep and just be more accepting yep i uh i definitely grew up with that it's always been uh difficult to um i felt like it's always been difficult to show my my emotions i'm actually a pretty sensitive guy um i never really let loose on that until i got older and you know actually when i was going to writing school one of my teachers said you know you're I said I was making fun of myself for being overly sensitive or something like that. And he's like, no, he's like, that's great. He's like, I think that's what's making you a better writer uh, than some of your peers. Cause they don't have, they don't, they're not as in tune with their emotions as you are, you know, and you can get in touch with them, which helps you be able to write characters and this and that. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I grew up in the nineties. My dad is the manliest man I know. I mean, and that's just how yep. he is. And uh, you know, I've, I've, I've only seen him. I, I would say, when I was younger, I've only seen him cry like a couple of times. One of them being when I left for the military, um, I, you know, oh. he doesn't shed tears very often, yeah. but, uh, it always, it always, when you see a stoic person like that, it kind of starts crying or showing emotion. And you kind of can't help it yourself. But I mean, you're right. There has <laughs> been that stigma that I know, at least in my personal life, that's, you know, it's like be a man, real men don't cry. Um, things like that. That's, that's that's great. I, I I'm glad that you're bringing that to light because I feel like not even just that. I think I think the world of mental health is is huge, and I think it really impacts um, our our society a lot. We're not taking care of people. Uh, I guess in my opinion, I don't really feel like people are being taken care of the way they should be. Yeah, and I agree with that. And um, actually, this last year, there's a a charity that I support uh, uh, called uh, Stack Up. Uh, I don't know if you've maybe heard of it, Halo. I know you're you're a veteran, correct? Yes. Yeah. So thank you for your service. Um, so Stack Up is a organization that is all about supporting the mental health and well being of the U.S. military veterans and our allies around the world. Really? Through gaming. Yeah. Stack um, Up. I need to look yeah. into this. Yeah. Yeah. Stackup.org. Stackup.org. Someone can um, shoot me that yeah. in the DMs <laughs> so I can check them <laughs> out. You. That is that's that's one that I would love to support because you know, I think it's up to like twenty veterans commit suicide every day. Um, and that's tragic. I mean, I find that absolutely Fair. tragic. Yeah, they're sign up to defend our country and they wind up uh wind up doing that. That's just that's just crazy, you know. And I just heard there was another shooting this week. I, I don't really keep in touch with the the news anymore. Um just because people and myself included, I mean, get into these heated arguments over the tiniest things. And it's like, why can't we all get along? But I, I see these shootings happen and I can't help like, but wonder if maybe if this person, you know, if people helped him get help or something, you know, maybe things could have been different. Yeah. Having more resources out there. Absolutely. Available. Well, that's what I think is important about streams like yours on Twitch. Cause I mean, I, I know for a lot of people, I know a lot of a lot of my viewers um, 
come because I'm an outlet for them, uh, for them. And I know uh, you are absolutely an outlet. Um, you have been for me. And uh, I, I think we just need a lot more places like that where people can come and feel comfortable and, and feel accepted and feel valued. Well, I appreciate that. And I agree. Um, and I feel like if you take the time to look, there are quite a few content creators on the platform on Twitch. Like, are those like amazing places? Um, but there's just as many, if not more, <laughs> uh, maybe slightly more toxic, which I don't know. I use using toxic, uh, probably too generously. And what, I mean, what would you consider toxic? So some streams, especially communities, when they get larger, unless that they're controlled and the creator really puts in rules and says, hey, this is how we do things. The chat can become very judgy, very um, gatekeeping. They can just be rude in a sense, to newer people or to the broadcasters themselves. Um, I, I think that just goes with the creators and their mod teams not enforcing those rules right up front right. and then things getting out of hand. Right, and I think Twitch has been doing a, a relatively decent job with trying to get away from that uh, and getting people into a a more positive space because I have seen things like that where large streamers feel a certain way about and say another streamer. And then all of a sudden all of their viewers are attacking this other person, you know, not, you know, necessarily, you know, on command, but you know, like, Oh, so-and-so doesn't like you. So I'm going to come over here and I'm going to troll you and be a jerk. And I've seen that we've seen, uh, I think there was the whole, like a whole gamer gate thing back in the day where, uh, there was, a a guy put something out about a breakup he had with a, a game developer who was a female. And then everyone attacked this female. It was a big, huge thing. And I'm just like, it was all, it was all hearsay from some jaded ex-boyfriend um, that people blew it up. But yeah, I can absolutely see that as toxic. I know um, I was only asking mainly because um, I know when I've come into your stream, you have promoted my stream uh, sometimes when I come into yours, um, but you have advertised it as, not uh not family friendly and uh you know i mean that you know i i could see some people might take offense to that and i but honestly for me it was just kind of an eye-opener because i was like you know lucid faith's not the only one to say that about me because i i you know i when i first started streaming i was swearing left and right and i still i still some do of your clips in your intro <laughs> some of the clips in my intro yes <laughs> there's yes i mean yeah. it does but I have really, um, believe it or not, I've dialed down so much. Um, you really have. And, and and it's crazy. It's because of you. I know Zach's been on me about it, um, swearing less and just kind of being a little more open to uh, to a wider audience. Because when you're swearing and and being like that, I mean, you're going to you're going to turn some people away. And I don't want my space to be a place that people can't feel comfortable. So, I mean, that's I mean, I've always found your your stream. Um, I have another streamer that I uh enjoy watching Highlander wins uh, who his stream is yep. a lot like yours uh, where he, he doesn't swear and he's a very clean uh, streamer. And those are just really positive places to be. And it really sets the tone for your entire show, I think. So just so we're on the same page, I do feel like you can have a positive welcoming stream and community and still have it be an adult stream 
right? Like you can swear and make dirty jokes sure. and like different stuff like that and like play more mature games and it can still be completely open and inviting and oh, safe. Yeah. Um, and especially like if that's like who you are and that's the audience you want to target, do it, you know? Absolutely. So. And when I think it's just kind of the mindset for me, it, it when, when I, when I get into these, rants where I'm swearing a lot and stuff, it kind of really does put like a negative, negative bug into my head to where I'm being, I'm being kind of jaded towards the game. Um, so for me, it's more about clearing my head. You know, if I'm, if I'm not swearing and getting, getting upset at things as much, I'm having a more, I'm having a better time playing the thing. And I feel like I'm putting on a better show. So I think of it, I think that really just boils down to, to, to the specific streamer. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And like how they implement that in right. their stream, and how they manage their communities, because I am a big believer in the streamer, the content creator is responsible to an extent for their community. Right. I mean, and, I and of that, course, they can't control uh, the things that their community does. But I know what you're saying, because if if someone's. Uh, you know, a super diehard fan of yours and you're portraying all these negative thoughts and all this negative energy, they can't take that energy elsewhere. It's like listening to rock music to get pumped up to lift weights, you know? You're right. listening to yeah. that stuff because that's that's feeding energy into you to to go off and, and push it out with, uh, with, with exercise. But yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. So, uh, so we, uh, mental health, I think, super important. And I, I think, you know, I always... Well, always for forever, as long as I'm a streamer and you're a streamer, I will always push people towards your channel. If not for any other reason, then it's such a wonderful place to be. And I, and I wanted to ask you, cause I, you know, I was streaming for about two, two to three years, I think, uh, before you and I actually met and we met cause we were both playing, uh, Spider-Man. I can't remember which as Marvel Spider-Man PS4, PS4, Marvel Spider-Man, the first one, not the Marvel, uh, not the miles, um, What's it called? I've already forgotten. Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Thank you so much. I haven't played that one yet, but we met on the one before that. And uh, such a fantastic time. But, I, you know, I don't know that you and I have ever really had the conversation. What the, what got you into streaming? For sure. Yeah. So it was probably about what three years ago now, a little over that. My wife and I sat down and we were talking about life and being content in life and talking about if there's so it's the idea, the question of if you could do something and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? And then whatever your answer is, is then go do it. So me and her were talking and came up was like, well, what would I do if I knew I wouldn't fail? Be a content creator. I'd. Like, I love video games, and I really enjoy watching YouTube videos, guides, tip tricks. Whenever I really enjoy a game, I start consuming all of the content for that game from trailers, guides, Twitch streams, talking to other people about it. Uh, I, that was my thing, and I loved it. So I thought, well, why not give it a shot and see if I can make a few dollars off of my hobby that I already love and spend money and time on. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of went from there. So, and it's still going. And, that's, and so you've been streaming for about three years now. Uh, yeah, 
Wow. Yeah, I think coming up on four this year. So did you and I meet right around uh, when you first started, when you were first getting into it? Um, I don't remember exactly when we met. I think we met probably like a year ago. No, it's been at least, it's been maybe two years at least, because you were there for two of my stream anniversaries. So, so I guess two years then. <laughs> so we'll say at least. <laughs> so probably just about a year after I got started, then most likely. At least two years. So yeah, that's, uh, it's just crazy. It's always interesting to me to uh, talk to another streamer and and, and to find out. You know, because it's such a huge community and so, there's millions of streamers out there and not all of them stream as consistently. Not all of them are growing as fast, but there's a bunch of streamers out there and it's, they all have their own story about how they decided they wanted to start streaming. So it's always a fascinating topic to me because I don't know that as far as everyone I've spoken to so far, I don't think I've had, uh, you know, any similar answers. Of course, I haven't really talked to a whole bunch of streamers yet so i'm sure eventually we'll start getting the same things but that's that's a unique that's a unique situation and what a proactive thing to do to sit down and say hey you know what what is something that you could do and not fail at and then you listen and say let's go do it you know and then you start doing it because you're you also yeah. make youtube videos and you're, you're putting out your own tips and tricks guides for the games that you're I playing and how, yeah. and how are those treating you uh well um video editing is hard very hard. <laughs> Learned that the hard way. Um, but so the main kind of topic that I would, the, the main game that I make guides and stuff for is Final Fantasy XIV, um, the MMO RPG of the Final Fantasy franchise, along with Eleven. Um, I started playing that just over a year ago. Fell in love with the game and realized the game is massive. And there's so much content and it's a little overwhelming. And I would go around and like look for guides and some of the guides were outdated or they just weren't there. Right. So I was like, hey, there's a small like opening here. Like there's a void I could fill. So I started making guides for Final Fantasy 14, um, specifically targeting like brand new players and breaking down the different functions and mechanics of the game. That's fantastic because there, there, there is there is a lot of content like that on the YouTube space as well, and um, it's not always done well, you know. And I and I've now I've never really gotten into Final Fantasy, um, but I, I have watched a couple of your videos, and you really do a great job at breaking stuff down. I really think uh, that that's a, that you know you found a hole in your fitness. I think you're fitting it pretty well too, because I feel like if I were to start playing Final Fantasy, I feel like those would be good guys for me to, to get into to start playing it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting cause you bring up final fantasy. I know, um, final fantasy is one of those games that I've just never, I've never been able to, to get into final fantasy. And, uh, and okay. this, this stems Fair. way back, gosh, when I was a kid, you know, maybe a 12 year old playing on the dreamcast or the old Nintendo or something. I can't even remember. It was so long ago and just playing it. And it was, uh, this turn-based combat that really, I just kind of. Mm -hmm. To, to be frank, I just found it boring um, back then, and I, and I don't, and I, and I think that's that's why there's different categories, that's why there's different genres, because it's not for everybody, but um, yeah, because of that experience is that every time I try it, I get that same old feeling rising in me. That's specifically with turn-based RPGs. Uh, what is it about Final Fantasy that kind of that kind of just really has sucked you in? For sure. So, 
I guess talking about it as a franchise as a whole, I've played many of them, not all of them. There's what, 15 plus entries in the franchise now. Um, but for me, it's the worlds. It's escaping reality. That's what video games are for me. It's escaping to a fantasy setting, forgetting about my problems in real life and my responsibilities and just enjoying a story. Right. And I think that's one of the things I love about Final Fantasy, specifically that franchise, is how well crafted the stories are and how the music is so immersive and engaging. It really pulls you in and makes you feel what those characters would be feeling. Uh, and then, I guess, mechanically, the actual turn based combat. I personally love turn based combat because I'm more of a. I guess more logical, strategic type minded uh, player. When I do video games, I enjoy like looking at my team, building up their stats, like making sure each character has the best equipment, uh, looking up guides for like the optimal like stuff for each person and like maxing out that damage. And like, I think that's fun. So. And that's what it should be. Yeah. And I think yeah. you bring up a good point yeah. about it being, you know, you, you like to think logically and strategically. I think that's because because I, I love strategy games. I am also very terrible at strategy games because I think oh, no. and not to say and I, I'm not saying that if you play anything outside of RPGs and uh, strategy games that you're not a logical person or things like that. Sure. It's just something that when because when because I escape into games as well, and it's harder for me to escape into a game where I have to keep constantly thinking and constantly. I feel like my brain's in overdrive, and I feel like throughout my daily life, that's my brain. I'm in constant overdrive. You know, and that's why I like to play shooters. You don't really have to think a whole lot about shooters. Um, just run around like, the corner and you start blasting things. Um, mm -hmm. which for, so for me, it's a huge outlet. But I do like to occasionally get into uh, RPG games. Because those elements of building up your characters and maxing out the level on a weapon or uh, or an ability or things like that, I really feel like those are some of the most rewarding things uh, in games. Is is you're playing and you're working to uh, accomplish something, and I and I love that. But I just for some reason with RPGs uh, or JRPGs um, or turn based combat, I've just always struggled with. Uh, I'm gonna hit you now. It's your turn to hit me and. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is not how combat goes. I guess for me, a big part of that enjoying turn-based combat came from childhood, where one of the first games I really fell in love with was Pokemon Red, right? I was, what, six, seven. I have the big, gray, fat Game Boy. My parents got me a used copy of Pokemon Red, and that's what it was. Like, that was my first real... I feel like RPG turn-based that I really got into and loved it and just kind of stemmed from there. And at that point in my life, like I was a child, right? So I didn't use strategy. I just out-leveled everyone. <laughs> and I love that in RPGs. Like, like, I can think strategically or I can go grind for 10 hours and come back and one-shot you. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. And that'll do it, too, <laughs> when you're yep. outranking everybody so bad. See, and that's even as a kid, I could never get into Pokemon. Uh, did you actually play with the cards and stuff, too? Did you actually have your own Pokemon I decks? I the cards as a kid, but I never, like, got competitive. I never, like, battled people with the cards or anything. Yeah. Oh, and we, we had different I'm childhoods. Just playing again. <laughs> 
I remember, I remember we used to, me and the neighborhood kids, we used to stand on the sidewalks that we would pretend that we were in Mortal Kombat. We oh, would, that's fine. We would freeze ball, <laughs> you know, just playing out there like that. We never, the kids I kind of grew up with were just never in the, in the Pokemon crowd. Um, and I kind of wonder if that kind of influences the way, uh, you know, what, what people like in games. You know, I know friends can influence oh, a lot sure. of what you like, but I wonder if maybe I would have ever gotten into Pokemon if I hung out with a different crowd who was into Pokemon. Yeah. I mean, that's the entire like nature versus nurture debate, right? Right. And that's, and that's just ah. super interesting. Cause I just, I mean, I think I didn't really get into gaming uh, as much. I mean, I, I obviously played games when I was a kid, but like we had a super Nintendo for like, I don't even think a year before my dad got rid of it. <laughs> you know? And I don't Which necessarily okay. know that he got rid of it because we were playing it too much. I think he started playing it too much. And uh, it's crazy. If you knew my dad, you know, he's not much of a gamer. Um, and so he kind of punted that thing out of the house. So I could, we only ever played games. We went and visited the grandparents. My uncle always had a console, uh, but I never okay. really got into it until I was in high school. And at that time, that's right around when Halo came out. So I started playing Halo and okay. then hence, hence the name. Um, and that's and from there on forth, I mean, I was just into shooters i got into sports games um and that kind of stuff and it wasn't until many years later when i was in the military that i started playing games that had rpg elements in them and i slowly started enjoying more and more games with rpg elements but not like full-on rpgs um you know you play like borderlands there's a lot of rpg elements in borderlands but it's really yes. a, it's a looter shooter uh yeah. first and foremost and uh so it's kind of i'm kind of like stuck like in that area, whereas I can't really, I haven't really been able to full on play a full RPG to completion. Um, so it's just kind of, it's interesting. I feel like you've played through like Borderlands and I believe I remember on your last podcast, you mentioned you were going to play through Mass Effect, uh, the legendary edition, mm -hmm. the, the remakes. Yes. I mean, I would say that is an RPG. Yes. You're shooting yes. rather than like turn-based combat, but it is a, like third person RPG. Like you have decision making, you have yes. character stats, you have builds. Like, yeah. Yes. And, and it's funny you bring that up because I've played all three Mass Effect games at least a dozen times. I love Mass Effect. I will be playing through it again on the stream. I was supposed to start it this week, but I would, couldn't get around to a stream this week. But yes, especially the first Mass Effect because the mass, first Mass Effect was really kind of heavy on the RPG elements. Whereas the second and third one kind of toned it back quite a bit to, to where it was more of a, a third person shooter than anything else. But yes, that's that's correct. But I'm thinking more like, you know, I played a game called Lost Odyssey. I think I only played like two hours of that game before I finally just got fed up and it was like, I can't play this anymore. Uh, two Worlds, another one, just really having a difficult time getting into into games like that because they are so RPG heavy. Um, which is crazy, but you know, I find the ones that don't have the, uh, the, 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 the turn-based combats, I can get into those a little more such as the Witcher three. Yeah. And that's, that's an RPG through and through. Yep. And have you, have you played that but one yet? I started it. I started Witcher three. I don't know why I stopped. I think I got maybe five, six hours in. I was really enjoying it. And then just one day I stopped playing and never went back. I think maybe something new like came out and something else, something new and shiny grabbed my attention. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'll happen. 
<laughs> I still haven't played Dragon Age to this day because something always popped up uh, when 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 I was I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna play Dragon Age finally. Then oh, Borderlands Two came out. Never mind. I'm gonna play Borderlands mm-hmm. Two. Uh, oh, the new Gears of War came out. I'm gonna play Gears. Alan Wake's here. I'm gonna play that. So I always had another game that was just kind of every time I'm like in the mood to play like start Dragon Age, something just pops out that I'm just like I want to play this instead. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big reasons why all gamers have backlogs, right? Because <laughs> you're always the gaming industry does not slow down, even during the pandemic. Oh no! Like new games are still coming out. Sure, things got delayed, but there's still, I feel like, a nice stream of new games coming out every month. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, because they're made from computers. People could work from home on their computers. I think the the thing that was slowing them down was the collaboration of not being yeah. like in an office setting and being able to run over to so-and-so's desk and have them check out this or that. You actually had to probably upload files and that stuff takes time. But yeah, I, yeah. It, it's actually increased, I think, since uh, I got started getting really into games that I mean, that the flow of gaming has just gotten larger and larger and it continues to grow larger and larger every year. Yes, I, th- I believe it's so this was a staff room a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's still correct, but I believe gaming industry, right, per capital is bigger than movies, TV and music combined. Combined? Combined. At least it was a few years ago. I don't know if that stat is still uh, current. Wow. So I knew I always knew it was the fastest growing medium. I did not know it was larger. Those those are huge. Those are the biggest yeah. things that people get into. Um, <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure it was from a few years ago. Are you looking it up? Yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not be. That's super interesting to me because that's I mean, because gaming is a billion dollar industry and it continues to grow. It continues to evolve, um, you know, and I know. When you and I first met, you were playing Spider-Man, um, and I know you're on the Nintendo Switch, but what, what would you say your main gaming platforms are? Main gaming platforms currently would be PC, Switch, and Xbox Series X. I got my hands on a Series X. You got, you got, I never, how, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. How, how have yeah. we never talked about this? Because <laughs> I just got it. Uh, oh, just recently. A month ago? Yeah. I didn't have I didn't have an Xbox One. Um, I skipped that generation. I had a 360 back in college and high school, but um, yeah, I just recently got the Series X because Walmart was doing a weird promotion where you had to open up a line of credit to buy it, and a lot of people were like, "No, I'm not going to open up a line of credit to buy a console." But I was like, "Sure, I don't mind." <laughs> right, because you don't have to use the, the line of credit. Yeah, but I, ha- I paid it off and have it closed. That's how I got my PlayStation, um, my PlayStation Four, is uh, through oh, Amazon. Right. Open up a line of credit, pay for the PlayStation. We'll take a hundred dollars off. I had that thing paid off immediately, and had mm-hmm. my console, and it was a hundred dollars cheaper, and I got two games with it. That's the way to do it. Now, was it the was it the all access program? Because I know, yes, uh, yes. Okay, so that that's not just Walmart. That's across the board. Oh. That's Microsoft. Really? Yes. Okay. So that was one of their that was one of their pitches to make it more affordable to gamers is, hey, you want a Series X? You only have to pay 30 something dollars a month for two years. And, you know, you can I think it comes with like 
Xbox Game Pass and uh, some other yes. things um, that come along with it. And I, mm -hmm. I actually did the math. We did the math, and Microsoft loses five dollars for every one of those they sell through the All Access program. If people yeah. pay every month, if you just pay it off, you know they're losing just as much money on as if you bought a new console. <laughs> but that's interesting. I did not know you had that just because we're not friends on on Xbox just yet. I actually just picked picked up a Series Slim a few weeks ago Ooh. for for streaming nice. purposes because ninety eight percent of my backlog is on Xbox right now. Most of my Steam games on PC played them. <laughs> so, oh, hey, congrats! Thanks. <laughs> Same with uh, my PlayStation. I, although I do have quite a few PlayStation games. Well, that's that's super interesting. I had no idea. See, we should have had you on the podcast so so much long ago. So should have had you on the podcast much sooner because uh, I would have found out <laughs> sooner about that. That's that's incredible. I uh, I didn't. I, ne I guess I, we never talked about it, so I, I never actually really pegged you as someone who would want to own an Xbox. Honestly, it's because of Xbox Game Pass. Really? Is the biggest reason. Xbox Game Pass uh, Ultimate, right, where you get it on your PC and your Xbox, is such a great value, right? There are so many good games. There's, like, AAA titles that come to Xbox Game Pass, some of them day one. Mm -hmm. um, there's tons of indie games, and I love trying out new indie games on Xbox Game Pass. Um, and it's... 15 bucks a month and with the all access part of that was two years of xbox game pass ultimate so i was like okay sure let's do this um but yeah that's the big reason that's and I, and very I really interesting needed a, a newer generation console or graphics card or something to keep up with these new games while i was streaming so right you think you'll eventually upgrade to a ps5 as well i want to yes um i think it'll be quite some time because I can't really justify it right now, especially since I have the Series X and there's nothing on the PS5 that's an exclusive that I like have to play at the moment. So I think the next big upgrade gaming-wise would be a new graphics card for the computer. Yes, and that's not a bad investment. I've been kind of to uh, toying around with the idea of maybe instead of buying any new games that come out on the Xbox consoles, because, I mean, I literally have hundreds that I haven't played on there. Oh, I mean, this is dating back to the 360 era. So this isn't just something where I'm buying all these new games. I have a problem when games go on sale, I buy them. <laughs> so It's um, a good deal. Oh yeah, I'm just like, Got five you. bucks for this? Yes, please. And, and they're games I want to play. Um, but I'm just like, if, if I really wish Sony would just start putting their first party games on PC day one. Um, you know, and because I feel like they would sell so much more of those games. They're already selling I, millions and millions of them. If they put them on PC also, it would own the market completely, I think. And, and but for me, that'd be like, perfect. I don't have to get a PlayStation 5 because I literally only purchase, you know, PlayStation exclusives on the PlayStation. And the, right now, there's no PlayStation 5 only, you know, games that I, that I games that I can't play on my PS4. So I'm just like, I'm just going to wait until until I absolutely have to buy a PS5 to play like the next God of War or the next Ratchet and Clank yes. or something. Mm -hmm. You got a War fan as well? Um, honestly, I got into that franchise very late. I got into God of War 2018, the PS4 version. Um, I hadn't played any of the God of War before that, any of the franchise. And did, did that did that game make you... Did you go back and play the other ones? No, I didn't. Oh. I loved the... Uh, 
that PS4 edition, like the, the 2018, right? I love that mm-hmm. formula and the character. I watched a YouTube video about just like the backstory and kind of summary of the rest of the game. So I kind of knew what Kratos had gone through. But no, I don't really Very have complex. any. Yeah, I don't really have any uh, drive to go back and play those those games at the moment. Sometimes it's kind of hard to do that, too, with uh, the older games, because they, they might be great, but they do age uh, and not always yes. well. <laughs> and so I, you know, I went back. I, I was kind of a late. Uh, honestly, I was late to PlayStation, period. Um, But uh, I remember my uncle let me borrow his PlayStation 3. And I, oh, no, okay. sorry. No, this is when I bought my PlayStation 3. He did let me borrow his PlayStation 3, and that's how I played the last of us and fell in love with uh, naughty dog. But uh, then, uh, so I wound up getting a PlayStation four and I got the remastered version of God of war three. And I signed up for PlayStation now and played the first two God of wars. And they were super fun to play, but you could tell that they were dated. Um, especially with like the camera movement and stuff just wasn't like up to par as with how they are nowadays. Uh, so it's great to see. They're great to play, but it's great to see like how far gaming has come. And like and the constant evolution uh, of games. Uh, speaking of one of the big things that's happening right now in RPGs that was just announced is uh, Dragon Quest. It's a JRPG franchise, really yes. big in Japan. Um, seen a larger here in the states, but they are doing a remake of Dragon Quest Three. Really? Yeah, and it looks gorgeous. Um, so if you've ever seen the Octopath Traveler like art style, um, that's kind of what they're taking inspiration from is really? that they're using the Unreal Engine 4 and basically placing 2D pixel like sprites and textures, but in a 3D environment with dynamic lighting. And it's oh, it looks great. I, you know, I haven't seen anything on the remaster version. I know I know what Dragon Quest is. I have seen it before. I've just never. That's never been one I've gotten into, but uh, that's that's crazy. That's that, you know, that's one thing I have to say that I've noticed with not just this new generation with the Series X generation and PS5, but the Xbox One PS4 generation as well as you're seeing a lot of games being remade or remastered uh, coming out. And that's that's one thing I've noticed that's like completely different from when I first started gaming. You weren't seeing a whole bunch of these games being remade and remastered. Um, and so that's that's really interesting that they're doing that because. I feel like that's just that's just kind of everywhere right now is is the remake. They're remaking the Prince of Persia, which is mm-hmm. a, which is a game that we played way back uh, the sands of time, way back on the original Xbox One, yeah. like the OG, like two, like twenty years ago. <laughs> and I think that's <clears throat> kind of nailed what it was the twenty years. I think it's the age of the industry, right? Um, a lot of these games started like these big franchises started in late 80s early 90s gaming has come leaps and bounds in the past 30 years right our games today look nothing like they did back then and people look at this and they're like we can do so much more there's so much more of an opportunity right to like really showcase this game to a new generation of gamers and also money so uh, also money. <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> also money that's uh i would say that's uh they definitely probably would not do some of those games if, if they knew they weren't going to make money on them um oh, for- you know i think of halo being remastered the first one when that when that happened it was like mind-boggling and then you could switch back and forth between the graphics to see you know how it changed really yeah that's cool 
Yes, I know you're not into shooters as much, but if you ever see Master Chief Collection on sale, just you should pick it up. Try it out. I'll play in Halo 1 and Halo 2. You can go back and forth between old and new graphics, and it is mind-boggling, the difference uh, between the two. And I wish all games that were remastered would do that, because it's incredible to see how it changed. That's really cool. Another game that's doing that that I'm actually aware of is Diablo 2. They're doing a Diablo 2 remaster, remake, and they have that in there where you can just toggle the graphics. That is super cool. I love Diablo 2, so I totally want to come and check that out. Are you a Diablo player? Yes. Yes. Diablo's a good one. Death Pony and I uh, actually started Diablo 3. We've never continued since. We played it one night. I'm looking at you, Death Pony. Um, (laughs) And uh, But yeah, we need to get back into that because I really was enjoying a lot of that Diablo and stuff. Um, And I did kind of want to touch on, uh, and you actually brought this up to me before the, uh, or earlier today, uh, I completely forgot that you do speedrun games. And you were actually one of the people who kind of got me into watching uh, speedruns. Like I started watching, I followed the channel uh, Games Done Quick. And I introduced you to games done quick. Yes. And that's amazing. I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen speed runs on like YouTube before, but I didn't know there was a whole channel dedicated mm-hmm. to people speed running games. Super interesting to watch. Super difficult for me to do. Uh, what, what got you, what got you into speed running? Cause I remember you were, you were speed running uh-huh. uh, the Spider-Man game. Yes. Yeah. Marvel Spider-Man was one of the ones I did, but so I consider myself a casual speedrunner. I don't really go for world records or being super competitive. I do it just because it's fun. If I'm really enjoying the game and want to play more of it, sometimes it's fun just to see how fast you can do it and then like push to the limits of it and master the movement and that kind of stuff. But for speedrunning, what got me into it was um, kind of Twitch. That's how I found really? Twitch out uh, about 11 years ago when Diablo 3 came out. Um, just right around then, I started watching Legend of Zelda Wind Waker speedruns. Um, what was the runner's name? Let me go look it up. There's a lot of speedrunners. You know, it's funny that you say that because one of the first streams I ever watched was uh, by a streamer. He's still a streamer today, I believe, uh, named Lethal Frag. Mm. And he's a very positive streamer. He's very fun to watch as well. He um, have, you, have, you, have you ever heard of him? Yes. Lethal Frag. So great. I actually was playing through a game called Super Meat Boy, and I was having a very difficult time because that game is insanely difficult. And I kind of just wanted to get on and watch and see how other people played it. And I stumbled upon Lethal, uh, Lethal Frag playing this game, and he was speed running through this. He was getting through obstacles that I couldn't even. I'm like, how did he do that jump? How did he? <laughs> He's doing all this crazy stuff. And he just really kind of sucked me into the streaming world. Cause I always thought streaming was stupid. I was like, why would I want to watch somebody else play a game when I can just go play it? But he, right. you know, he kind of broke that stigma for me. Um, and it kind of, you know, kind of got me into like enjoying speed runs a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't until you that I knew there was an entire channel like dedicated to, to speed runners. And I actually, one of, uh, one of my friends, uh, crisis, uh, Wolf, uh, her, Fiance is a speedrunner for Doom. Oh, that's awesome. And he was on Games Done Quick. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never be good enough to be on Games Done Quick. <laughs> um, but I love it. And the big things I love about speedruns, the most important thing to me is I enjoy watching people who are passionate about what they're doing 
and also watching something at a high level. So watching someone who's poured thousands of hours into a game and they know the ins and outs and they can pull off the frame pursuit tricks and they can talk about it and they just love the game. Like that's entertaining for me. Like seeing games be pushed to their limit. Um, I just find fascinating. And that's really what speedrunning is too, is people pushing a game to their limits. I mean, they're constantly looking for glitches and in ways to progress much quicker now when when you were when you speed run do you actually look for those glitches and stuff or do you uh take someone else you watch other people do a speed run and you kind of use their tactics so uh the latter of the two so i stand on the shoulders of giants <laughs> i do not try to route my own games i don't try to find my own glitches i tried that once with a game with an indie game called creature in the well uh, definitely check it out. Um, it's basically uh, pinball with swords is what? how they advertise it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I actually, uh, it was a very small community. No one was really running that game. So the first time I had to try to like do some glitch hunting myself, didn't find anything because apparently that's actually super hard to do. Yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, and then I had to try to figure out how to route the game and figure out like, okay, where do we go? When do we go? What's optimal? Like do like time, like time myself in different sections to see like left or right. And, and that was also very, very difficult. So for most part, I, I lean on the community. Speedrun communities are amazing and they usually have guides. They have, um, forums, you can ask questions. There's usually a discord for each community and people are excited about the game and they're excited about new people getting interested in the game and making their community bigger and pushing that record further and further down. Yeah. And they're really open to people coming in and, and wanting to learn too. I've, I've yeah. heard nothing but good things about speedrunning communities is they're like, it's like a family almost. Um, mm -hmm. People just opening uh, their arms and accepting uh, other new newcomers, and and I was going to say you're not alone on that standing on the shoulders of giants because you know there are some games. I, I people may not know this about me. I'm a huge achievement hunter on Xbox. Uh, I love, 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 love getting achievements, especially. Uh, and so instead of speed running games, my thing is is if I really enjoyed a game, I'm going to try to go for all the achievements. If it's a game I really hated. I still might go for the achievements, but if they're difficult, I'll probably just stop because I'm not enjoying the game. Uh, for So for me, completing a game means getting all the achievements. And uh, I know I played a game called Splinter Cell Blacklist where you had to do like a speed run on like every level. You had to beat the level in a certain amount of time without getting caught, you know, without killing anybody. And, uh, you know, and you had to do it in five minutes. So I was watching YouTube videos and just copying people and, it was awesome, but I'm just like, I don't know that I could ever do stream the uh, speed running while trying to figure out how to speed run. Cause I just feel like I'm not as intuitive. I mean, so some people are paying attention to every nook and cranny and they're exploring things and figuring out what things they can tamper with. And it's absolutely incredible. Cause that is a, a labor of love. I mean, they do put a lot of time and effort into figuring this stuff out, but calling them giants, <laughs> I think, very astute. I do like that. Uh, what other games? Uh, so Creature in the Well, Spider-Man, what other games have you tried speedrunning? Yeah, so there's only a few. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey on mm. the Switch. Um, the movement in that game is just sublime. And it's one of those games where it's 
easy to pick up, but it's hard to master. And there's so many different techniques that you can slowly kind of move, put into your movement over time. And it's just so much depth. Um, Celeste 2D mm. platformer. Um, same thing. And I've heard that's, that's a great game too. It is. It is. Um, and then Cyber Shadow is a, is a newer one that I played. It's a 2D, um, basically a Ninja Gaiden inspired game. So if you think back to the old school Ninja Gaidens, the 2D action platformers, uh, that's what Cyber Shadow basically is. Really? That's been a lot of fun. And then I think the only other one I've tried is a game called Katana Zero, which is, guess what? Another 2D game. <laughs> I, you do like uh, some of those 2D games. I do, because at least for speedrunning, the big thing for me for actually running a game is I want to enjoy the moment-to-moment gameplay. I don't want to just like run from point A to point B and that movement just be holed up on the control stick. I want it to be more engaging and that movement actually be fun. So like Marvel Spider-Man, like the swinging and... Uh, the, the zips and stuff you do. Love it. Super Mario Odyssey, how you roll and jump and throw Cappy and get up to somewhere where you were never really intended to be, but through great execution, you can do it. Like, that's for me what makes speedrunning fun. Yeah, that's, oh man, it, it, I could hear, I can hear the passion coming out of you just even talking <laughs> about, about it because, I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing. You, you wouldn't think, that's that's another thing that an outsider could look at and be like, why would you want to race the finish of your games? Why didn't why not sit there and enjoy it? And I, I'm like, I don't think that's the case. I think these people, people, speedrunners do enjoy the games. They enjoy, you know, they probably the first time they played it, played it and enjoyed it. And they were like, I like this so much. Yeah. I'm going to go back and I'm going to beat it as quick as possible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, that's that's what's that's what that's just one of many things that I think makes gaming uh, just top tier for me. It's honestly, it rivals reading for me. Reading, writing, gaming. That's big come from you, because you are an author. Oh, oh yes. Well, I went. I'm not like a published author or anything, but yes, I've authored nonetheless. <laughs> I don't know if uh, you can technically be called one until you publish something. I don't know how it works. I always just say I'm a writer, but um, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, I because reading is like my number one passion. I read every single. I read more than I uh, game. Um, hands down. And, uh, and so gaming just comes close, but there's so many different levels to gaming, um, that, that you just don't realize a community is one of them. I think being able to do speed running and things, um, fully exploring these massive worlds that these developers create. There's just so much to love about gaming and in, 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 in the world of gaming. And that's one of the reasons I love streaming is being able to share, you know, my experience with an audience who's who's watching me experience something for the first time because you know we're just a bunch of a bunch of people who you know have a passion for this stuff and that's and that's just so great so just hearing your passion for speedrunning is just fantastic and, and you know and and speaking of the um the world of gaming where do you where do you think where do you think gaming's headed we're seeing a lot of evolutions in game games with like a virtual reality and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, the cloud-based gaming, I, you know, Game Pass, I, you know, honestly, we've talked about it on the podcast before that I think there's maybe only one generation of Xbox left, if that, because pretty soon you're just going to have to own a stick or an app and a controller, and then you can just play your games on anything. I guess- 
So, so where do you think that where do you think the landscape's kind of going as far as gaming? Honestly, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, there's two big for me actors that are pushing it forward. Eventually, I feel like we're going to hit a wall of graphics fidelity, right? Where it's going to be as good as it gets until there's some kind of other breakthrough in tech. Um, so I feel like virtual reality, there's a ton of potential there and it could be amazing given another 20, 30 years, 20, right? 20, 30 years. Really? Yeah. Cause if you think about it, like 30 years ago was the nineties and then 40 years ago, was it makes 80s. me feel That's so old. Had, like, <laughs> right. So we had like the super simplistic 2D games. I mean, what when did when did Pong come out? Was it the 70s for Pong? Yeah, I think so. 60s or 70s. And, and then think about how crazy far we've come from Pong in 50 years. And now. So right now, virtual reality is becoming better. People are trying to develop games for it. The actual tech is becoming cheaper and consumers can actually get their hands on it when we're not in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So I feel like that in itself is going to become really good over the next 20, 30 years. So I feel like it's still in its infancy. It still needs refining. Developers still need to learn how to make a game for virtual reality and how that's going to be different from a more traditional game with the controller. Right. Right. Um, and do and do you have a do you have a VR headset by chance? I used to. I used to. Um I had a Oculus Is it a Quest? Oculus Quest? Quest the, the standalone Quest, they have the Quest of the Rift. You, it on, you don't have to put it like it doesn't connect to a PC or anything. It's all the like Quest. local on the uh yep. device, which was really nice. There's no cords or anything. You just download the game straight in the in the device. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't feel like there were a lot of good games that I wanted to get into. I mean, there was Beat Saber, right? <laughs> I'm the still playing Beat Saber, Saber. The game. Like, yes, sign me up. I loved it. And there's some other like little things like tech demos, but I didn't feel like anything really explored what VR could be yet. So. Well, and I think even that landscape is kind of changing quite a bit because you are seeing, you know, they got a new Medal of Honor game coming out. So we're going to have a, an awesome first person shooter. I know there's um, a Medal game, of Honor. Medal of Honor. Yes. I haven't heard that in years. Right. They have the specifically exclusively creating a game for VR in the Medal of Honor universe. I know Borderlands 2 has a um uh, a version, a VR version of Borderlands Two that you can play, which I kind of, I have a headset now. I should totally try and try that out. Phasmophobia, you can play in VR. Um, I, the horror games scare the crap out of me, so I haven't tried that one yet. Um, nope. I could watch scary movies, I could read scary books. I have a difficult time playing scary games. Um, I can't, can't do horror. Yeah, horror's tough. It's when you're interacting with it, it's so much harder than if you're just sitting back and watching it. I could watch a scary movie. The scariest thing about a scary movie for me, you know, if there's demonic possession in it, that stuff scares me. Uh, and, and the sound. They really scare you with the sound mm -hmm. in, in movies. Yeah. But games, games are immersive. You're controlling the character and you're moving around. So when something happened to the character, it's like it's like it's happening to you. I don't think I want to experience that in VR. 
because I feel yes. like you know what. You know, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thick guy and I feel like I'm, I don't want to have a heart attack at, at 30, <laughs> 35 years old. So that's, uh, <laughs> I'll stay away from those, but it would be interesting. Uh, the way you're talking about how like 20 to 30 years, that seems like that's going to be crazy evolved from where we're at now. We're going to be old men, uh, <laughs> playing games. Yeah, I'll be then. 50, 60. Yeah. And, um, but it's kind of crazy to think that. I mean, have you ever seen Ready Player One or read the book Ready Player One? Yes, I, I love that movie. Can you imagine a, a future like that where people are mostly just living in these virtual reality headsets? I don't know if we'll get to the point where people are living in virtual reality, but I do feel like we can get to that level eventually. I think eventually, maybe, maybe when we, you know, we're inhabiting other planets, we'll have that technology to, you know, to, uh, to, to, to be in a virtual reality setting where people are going to work and like most people are working through their headsets, you know, um, I think that's a long way off. That is very sci-fi, but super interesting to think about. Um, I kind of wanted to go back and touch on the, uh, the RPGs cause you're really big into RPGs. Would you say that's kind of like your main genre is the RPGs? Yes. It, yeah, so it, the main thing I really play on stream are RPGs. So yeah, RPGs, and which is super interesting because RPGs were kind of born out of board games uh, and Dungeons of Dragons type games. I've never yeah. played Dungeons yeah. of Dragons, but I have seen that you have been hosting every now and then a Dungeons and Dragons on your channel. Um, so I wanted to ask you how how's that Dungeons and Dragons going? How long have you been playing it? How are the streams working out for you? I'm super curious because I've never played Dungeons and Dragons myself. So uh, Dungeons and Dragons, D&D, you're completely right. Um, Current like video game RPGs were the next step from tabletop RPGs, right? Which is what D&D is. Um, And I've been playing about four years-ish, three, four years now. So not very long. I got into it because of the show Critical Role with Matt Mercer and the cast of voice actors. Um, They've been doing that for years. I don't know if you've maybe heard of Critical Role before. Nope. No. You're interested in D&D. It's probably I think Critical Role is probably one of the most popular D&D shows out there where they do complete campaigns. Um, and what's one of the things that's really appealing to me is that the entire cast are voice actors, like professional voice actors. Um, so if you actually look up any of them, you'll probably recognize them like from different games or anime or just really. Shows. Yes. Um, yeah, that's super uh, interesting. Uh, you like Last of Us, correct? Yes. Uh, the girl, Ellie. Yes, she was an actress. She was in that movie What Women Want with Mel Gibson, I think. She's on Critical Role. Really? Yes. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, so there's one example. Like they're they're very accomplished for actors. They know what they do. So there's a lot of role playing, there's a lot of storytelling. Um and that what that's really what got me wanting to like run my own games, right? Be the dungeon master, be the game master, the person who puts the story together. Um and through that, my wife started watching that show with me, and she got interested. It's like, wait a second. D&D sounds kind of fun. Like, she's not a gamer. She's a country girl. Uh, so D&D is very much outside of her 
comfort zone and wheelhouse, we'll say. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, I, I mean, anything to bring bring them in. I mean, that's why gaming is so vast. I mean, anybody can do it. Yeah. And it's crazy. I, you know, I was hearing, I was, I think it was a previous stream I was talking about having never played Dungeons and Dragons. People were telling me, you know, there's like a degree of acting in it and, and role playing. And um, I was just like, I need to sit down. I need to, I need to truly sit down and try to watch just a full game unfold. Just to kind of get an idea of what it is. Cause it sounds wild. It sounds like more than just a game, you know, it almost sounds like there's a little bit of improv tossed in there. And I've, I'm always fascinated by that kind of stuff. Think of it as an interactive story. Do you remember those old uh, choose your own adventure books? We start reading and it says, OK, if you want to do this one, turn to page 84. But if you do this one, turn to page three and you go from there. That's what D&D is, right? Is it's a choose your own adventure book just with that other people. Neat. And the book is your dungeon master, your game master. And, and so then he tells you, they tell you. What happens depending on what page you turn to? And so does the dungeon master create this world and these stories for these characters yeah. to be in? Oh. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's two approaches you can take. You can either uh, use pre-made materials, which there's tons of actually like written campaigns and worlds and stuff out there that you can just use. You can also just purchase them or you can what's called homebrew which is basically make up your own stuff. And so, uh, and have you been a dungeon master? Have you been creating your own stuff or have you been uh, purchasing them? A little bit of both. A little bit of both? Is what I've uh, done. So I, I never wanted to take on the task of creating an entire world. That just seems way too daunting to me. But I know people do it and they love it. Um, so what I usually did was I would uh, purchase or find some free a world or a story what was what we call like a session and i'll take it and i'll modify it i'll read through it and make okay this is cool i like this okay let me take that out hey one of my players is really stealthy let's add a stealth section in um and try to play to what the actual other players enjoy because that's the other big part of being the person in charge of the game is Ultimately, you're in charge of the fun, right? You want to have have everyone have a good time. So, for example, my wife hates role playing, doesn't want to role play. And you're like D and D. We just talked about how there's a lot of like there's stories. <laughs> yeah, but like she'd rather have that be minimal, which you can run a game like that, and be more focused on the combat, right? Be have it more focused on the mechanics and puzzle solving. And that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to feel out your group and see what kind of game you want to play. Because that's the other big thing about tabletop games in general is they're so free form. You can make it whatever you want to. Because at the end of the day, it's just for fun. Well, that's what it's all about, too. I mean, it's funny you say that, you know, she wants to, she doesn't want to be as much into the role playing and, and wants more of the action. It kind of thing makes me think about, you know, that's why I watch Fast and the Furious. I don't watch Fast and the Furious yes. because, because I want a good story. I watch Fast and the Furious because I want to watch people do crazy things that could never, ever be done in real life. You know, uh, that's and that's super interesting. And, and it's and it's like, uh, I mean, that's no different than writing. A book that's no different than writing a, a movie script or a TV show is that you are creating these worlds 
and these events and, and, and you kind of have to know your audience um, as well on, on who's going to be watching or in D and D's case, who's going to be participating and, and, and kind of, kind of cater to what, uh, what they want to see in, in a story to play through. And it sounds super interesting. How often do you do the, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons nights? Honestly, not very often. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> disappointing. I know. So <laughs> for a couple of years, I ran a home game just like not on stream or anything. And that was a lot of fun. And then I ended up stopping that. And then we did that pretty much every week. But I ended up stopping that because I wanted to focus more on stream and content creation and trying to grow all of this. Um, but then you were able to blend those two loves together. Yeah, and then during the pandemic and stuff, and since I haven't really been playing D anD D, and I just I missed it. So I thought, well, let's see if we can't do a D anD D stream, right? Like I enjoy streaming. There's other content creators out there that I know that are interested in D anD D and playing. Maybe I can get a few people together and do what we call a one shot. A one shot for those who don't know is a, a game of Dungeons and Dragons that is self contained. Right. So the entire story, characters, plot all can be resolved in that one session, which can usually last two to four hours. Um, That's not too bad because, yeah, because sometimes you might have to set it down and come back and pick up where you left off. Exactly. And then you kind of have to remember where you left off and everybody has to kind of remember where their characters were at, what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's a group of people coordinating and getting that all together. So that's pretty, that's impressive. That's pretty neat. You know, my, my, yeah. the most experience I've had with Dungeons and Dragons is seeing it on, uh, like TV shows and movies and stuff and how it's portrayed there. And I'll never forget watching a TV show called, um, I zombie. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. I believe it was based off a comic. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. Yes. And there's an episode in there where a Dungeons and Dragons player is murdered um, and so they're trying to get into, into the, their heads and stuff and they're playing and one, the one cop is there and he's just completely bashing it and this is nerdy. And then they do a cut and it's like six hours later and he's like, so into it all of a sudden. And I'm just like, that would be me. I think mm-hmm. I, I would feel like that. I, I feel like if I could, if I could learn to play it, if I, if I had the patience for it and, and I love storytelling, um, I feel like, the, I feel like it's something that should be right up my alley, you know? And so I'm definitely super interested. So I, you should let me know, and I'll be sure to blast it on the social medias next time you're doing a a D and D night. Because I would like to come by and just kind of watch and see how and see how things go. Because it's it's something that I think is uh, super interesting. But it also makes me think about you know, and we were just talking about kind of uh, where gaming is headed. I you know, and it kind of makes me think of where gaming has come from. Because when I was growing up, if you played Pokemon, you were a nerd. We're dork. We right. played Dungeons and Dragons, nerd. No one's talking to that guy because he play. You gonna go play your Dungeons and Dragons, you nerd? You know? <laughs> oh, were you picking on those kids too? No, I was those. Kids. Oh, uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> I a crazy story, and people wouldn't believe it. I when I grew up, I was. I, I played sports. I I made fun of the geeks. Uh, but then after high school, you, you kind of meet people who would have been a geek in high school and then you're just like these are the coolest people i know my friend my my best friends are nerds you know and I, now i'm a nerd and it's just these crazy it's crazy to see where how these stigmas were placed on certain things in the past um and how they're just so globally accepted now uh, i mean i'm sure there's still a stigma for some hard-headed people out there who just never grew up um sure. I, but you know i'll never forget when i was in high school it was my senior year 
we uh, had a football trip and and a laptop that I brought with me. We had a uh, uh, Halo PC on it, and so we were on the bus, and me and my buddy were playing Halo on the on the laptop while we were traveling to a football game, and we were relentlessly made fun of. Even being on the football team, people were teasing us, and yep. we're like, "And you know what? Those same people, huge gamers now, huge gamers." So I'm just like, "That's it's so crazy." Uh, so I, it's just kind of funny to think about where we might think gaming is headed, but it's kind of fascinating how far we've come because it's just not it's just not the same. Becoming more and more mainstream, more people are becoming accepting of it. Um, there's still, I mean. There's still those people who want to be in a box and bash everybody who's not in their box. Right. So. Well, that, you know, and that kind of, you know, I don't think that's ever going to end. Um, I started, we started going to gaming conventions, um, primarily PAX. Um, yeah. Not sure if you've ever been to PAX. Should totally yeah. go to one. We're going to be trying to go to PAX Prime next year. Uh, FYI. So if you get, Take us to that. Let me know. And we could meet up at PAX and hang out. Um, but uh, it's, it's interesting because I think it was the second PAX I went to in Boston. And uh, one of my friends there, uh, one of my Air Force buddies, he was kind of teasing uh, some people because, you know, you're waiting in these big, long lines. And he was teasing, uh, teasing some people for being nerds because they, they have their Magic the Gathering sets and stuff. And I'm just thinking, man, we just drove all the way across the country for a video game convention. And you're calling these guys nerds for being in their element here? I mean, this is where this is where all gamers belong. It doesn't matter if it's a card game, if it's a board game, or if it's a digital video game. This is a place for everybody. And, you know, it kind of changed his, um, I think it kind of changed his scope um, on, on how to view, you know, other gamers. Because it doesn't really matter. Because, I mean, it's really grown. Because I used to be that guy. I used to tease people for playing Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. And it's like, you know what? What a jerk. Because I'm playing Halo the way they're playing Magic the Gathering. I'm playing shooters. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, you're really no different. So it's it's just so fascinating to see where it's come from, where it's going. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly excited to kind of see where it ends up uh, in the future. And I, I want to live long enough to see what the future of gaming is 30, 40, 50 years down the road. Same. Gonna be an old man. <laughs> gonna be. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna be an old man gaming. I'm. Gonna, I'll be gaming to my grave. I think. Um, which is funny. I don't mean to keep going off on different tangents, but I remember when I was in the Air Force. Um, I worked in the medical clinic. We had a lot of retirees coming in. Um, you know, and I was in the uh, ophthalmology clinic, so a lot of our patients were really old. Um, and uh, coming in to get their cataracts removed and or taken care of and all that and. Uh, there was this there was this old man who was like 95 years old and he was wearing a Halo 2 t-shirt. And I was oh. and I was like, "Hey, where'd you get that t-shirt?" You know, and he's like, "Oh, I'm a big Halo 2. I play Halo 2 all the time." And he couldn't get past the first level on easy. Oh. But you know what? He was playing, he was lo- he loved it. He's like he was a big Halo fan. I was like, "Dude, that's that is going to be me. When I'm 95 years old, if lo- <laughs> let me make it to 95, um I want to be that guy because I was like that, that guy was my hero. It's <laughs> just like that's amazing. It just oh, it's it's fantastic. Um, but uh, the show's uh, running along here. I did want to get some uh, more questions out to you. Ed. So I, we've established that you're really into the big to the RPG drama or mm-hmm. drama genre, and you do play a lot of two uh, D side scrollers, kind of like puzzle games. 
Um, uh, action platformers. Action platformers. What yeah. the, are there any other genres that interest you? And what would you say is the genre you kind of steer clear from the most? It's just something that does not interest you at all. Sure. The genres that I mainly do are like RPGs and stuff. And maybe the big one is like MMO RPGs. And that's the primary one that I've been streaming for the past year or so with Final Fantasy XIV. Um, the ones I steer clear of completely, uh, horror games. I, I don't do horror or anything. And um, competitive shooters. Um, so like your Halos, uh, Call of Duties. Overwatch. Legends. <clears throat> Overwatch, uh, Valorant. I I'm just terrible at shooting. I'm terrible at aiming, even on PC. And I, especially in the team based games of those, like the Overwatch or Valorants, because I'm bad, I'm self conscious about how bad I am, and then I feel terrible when I perform badly in the game. I let down my team, and then it just kind of compounds, and it's just yeah stressful yeah it's stressful yeah. that's like i i don't i don't know if it's an age thing i know when i was 18 years old uh man i would i was all about the competitive shooters and i was good i was good at halo halo 2 i was really good that i mean it wasn't great there were people out there that were a lot better than i was but i was a pretty decent halo player but i feel like the older i get the less i can compete i have a heart my reaction time you know it's not that much slower but it is slower and you're playing people who are younger than you whose reaction times are just, I mean, quick, quick like a bunny, man. They are quick. These people have just these quick trigger reactions. They they press, they they see you and you're already dead. And you're just like, what happened? <laughs> it's like, how did you pull the trigger so fast? I wasn't even looking at you yet. And uh, so I, I don't know if it's an age thing getting older or if it's just something I'm kind of growing out of, uh, getting out of the competitive shooters and competitive games in general. I like to play game competitive games cooperatively with friends because that way mm-hmm. it's more fun for me but i find that i can't play them by myself because they're just stressful even even with friends sometimes it's pretty stressful call of duty i'm looking at you um do you do you still to this day play any competitive games at all no i've never been one for like pvp player versus player or anything like that so i usually focus on the like pve games single player or cooperative games that you kind of work together on um that i'm not a competitive person like in game or out of gaming and just in life in general like if we sit down and play a board game with friends i don't care if i win i i would would try to beat you (laughs) my wife super competitive she needs to win me like if I if I win that's really cool awesome I'm excited if I don't win that's okay too, and I think that's also just part of me like if I don't get my hopes up it's not going to hurt as bad right <laughs> well and then, so you guys balance yeah. each other out pretty well and by the way uh, I know we talked about this before we started filming uh, congratulations on your ten year anniversary that's wonderful fantastic very happy to hear Thank that you. but it sounds like you guys balance each other out really well especially when it comes to yeah. the competitive nature. Yeah, <laughs> between you guys, winning's awesome. Winning, there's just an endorphin release when you win. Um, I, I, I think part of the reasons I was into competitive shooters is because you know, being being a, a young athlete, I, I mean, I, I, I worked hard. I tried to win. I was, I wanted to win every baseball game I was in, every football game. Uh, the one time I played basketball for three months and 
never played it again. I was hyper competitive. I wanted to, you know, I always want to win. I still have that in me. And that might be another reason why I play less and less of it, because when I'm not winning, it impacts my brain. <laughs> and, right. And it makes me feel like I'm having a negative experience. And that's what I think is so great about RPGs and specifically RPGs, um, because a lot of times they are kind of, uh, uh, you know, a single player or cooperative uh, experience. And they're keeping that storytelling uh, alive in video games. Because I, oftentimes I see how popular games are getting that are strictly, say, like Overwatch and Fortnite, and they're, you know, primarily, you know, PvP games. And they're super popular with the younger crowd. And I'm always afraid that they're going to start taking away the single-player stories, you know, because they're not selling as much. But I think that's where RPGs kind of come in and save the day because they are still popular and their people do still play them. So it's, I'm thankful for that, you know? Yeah, I think from a big business perspective, I think there was a quote from some CEO years ago about how no one wants single-player games anymore. Um, and that's, that's just untrue. And there's there's a still a huge audience for single player story driven games, and I still feel like that a story, in my opinion, can gaming has the potential to deliver the story in the best way possible. Yes, I agree, one hundred percent. Besides reading, because reading the story is up in here, but with games, you're a part of that story. Exactly. You're 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 a part of that story, and you're you're watching these. You're you're with the protagonist. You're not just passively sitting back and watching the protagonist go through these these scenarios. You're actually playing. In a lot of games, especially with RPGs, you get to choose your own path. You get to create yeah. your own story, um, so to speak, and kind of watch them unfold. I'm a big fan, believe it or not, of walking. You know, they're called walking simulators. Where you're just walking. There's no combat. You can pick up notes and read them and stuff, but there's really no combat. Um, and you're just walking through and having a story told you. Like, uh, everyone's gone to the Rapture on PlayStation 4. Love that game. Okay. Uh, what Remains of Edith Finch, uh, Dear Esther. Huge fan of those games. And I, I feel like there's not a whole ton of them coming out anymore. <laughs> but I want them to because I, I will buy them and play them just for the story. Right. I've never, I think I've, I've heard of one of those games. So it might be something I need to look into. Yeah. I mean, if you like stories, I mean, they're not like uh, great stories, but they're not bad stories either. But you, I mean, they're stories <laughs> nonetheless. It's kind of, I would get right. them when they're on sale. They're, they, I think they sell for pretty okay. cheap anyway, but they're, they're fun. They're just basically walking simulators. You get to explore the environment. You get to pick up clues and notes. Some of them have puzzles in them that you have to do to, in order to keep moving on. Um, and they're pretty fun, but I do love stories and games. That's one of the reasons I really fell in love with games is when, uh, the first time my uncle and I played Halo, we kind of got tired of the multiplayer because there was no online on Xbox back then. Right. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we started playing the campaign and we're watching this yeah. story unfold and we're like, holy crap, this isn't a video game. It's like, how is this epic? How is this possible? This is amazing. I bought all the books. I bought, I mean, I, I really dove into it. That's Honestly, he gave me the name Halo Titan because of those years. It was fantastic, but um, I am thankful for RPGs and um, and everything. But, uh, man, Lucid Faith, I want to thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me tonight, man. I, uh, for being on. I, really, I was really looking forward to having you on for quite a while now. Um, I'm happy that we've started branching the podcast out and to bring in other people in here. Um, and I would love to have you back on the show. I think we can have some 
some good conversations. Um, and we don't even have to keep it just about video games. I mean, we could just talk about life in general. Um, and I, I do want you to keep uh, keep promoting that positive attitude because I, it's it's a just such a comfortable feeling to know that there's people out there, there's places you can go on Twitch where there is a lot of toxic stuff out there, a lot of craziness, but there's like these these little places you can go where it's just it feels like a paradise. You can relax, you can kick back, you can chat with your friends, you can chat with the community, chat with the streamer, and just and just feel good about yourself and just feel good about you know, uh, the, the entertainment that you're receiving. So keep, just please keep, keep it up, man. Cause I, I think you do wonderful stuff. You're a very entertaining person. Um, where can we, where can we find you uh, outside the podcast here? Uh, so first, thank you. I really appreciate all that. We said, absolutely. Um, so Twitch, uh, forward slash lucid faith, YouTube, lucid faith and Twitter, lucid underscore faith. So, Perfect. Yeah, you should shoot me those links, and I'll put them in the YouTube comments. Um, there, mm-hmm. uh, if you guys are wanting to follow me, we're on Twitch right now. So if you're watching, you can go ahead and hit the follow button because you're already here. Check us out on YouTube at, at Backlog Gamers. Uh, hit all the buttons over there. Check us out on Spotify. We don't get a whole ton of viewers, our listeners on Spotify. I shouldn't say viewers because there's no video over there. But you can follow us on Spotify. There is a button for that. You can find me on Twitter at Halo Titan and then Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Halo Titan. I do want to thank everybody for hanging out with us this week. I still don't have a guest locked down for next week yet, but uh, stay tuned. I'll let you guys know what's uh, what's happening then. And I do want to thank you so much for hanging out. Lucid Faith, I know we talked about this before the show. I would like you to take us out of here with your with your ju- general uh, farewell message for for people. Of course, um, y'all, I just want to remind each and every one of you that you matter. Thanks again. Peace.